edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer, and I'm so excited about this conversation because I am talking to a dear friend who I have known almost literally since I began in Catholic radio. This person goes way back and has been a dear friend to me uh, all through the years. And uh, she has it on her heart to talk about a beloved late priest um, whom she had got to know and whom she really wants you to get to know even after his passing. And so that's what we're going to talk about during this interview of the week. Her name is Patricia Martin, and uh, I'm going to call her Pat because her friends call her Pat, right? Right. Uh, she serves as the president of Martin Media here in Dallas, and she also has uh, served and continues to serve as executive director of St. Jude Media, which has to do with the media arm, I guess you could say, of the late Father John Thomas Couture, JCD, otherwise known as the Messenger of Joy. He passed away at the age of 90 on Thursday, April 7th of this year, 2022. So, Pat, welcome and thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Well, it is great to be here and it is wonderful to talk about this incredible priest who uh, was a visionary, uh, who worked as a Catholic priest for 62 years, and he had his uh, St. Jude media ministry. He met uh, the Holy Father um, many years ago, 1980, and but John Paul II. John Paul yeah. II, St. John Paul II, actually encouraged him to become a messenger of joy. Mm. Um, he had just given a talk about some of that and asked Father to go forth, become a messenger of joy. So he basically stopped what he was doing and began his, mini- his next ministry. Not too long after that, um, he founded uh, St. Jude Media Ministry in 19... Um, 1985? Mm. No, I'm, I'm 1995, I'm oh, sorry. Okay. And um, it was basically uplifting messages of joy on radio first. Yeah. They would record them at a studio in New York, and then they'd play them late night radio. Yeah. Um, over the years, that expanded and expanded into uh, one website, messengerofjoy.com, which was a blog, daily blog. And then in... Um, I guess it was about 2012, uh, I met up with him. I had met him originally in 1981 mm. when I first started working for the Catholic Diocese of Dallas. Yeah. They shipped me out to the Catholic Communications Conference in New York. And there I saw him speak, and he took us all out for dinner and, and everything, and He's been my fast friend for 41 years. Oh, wow. Wow. So way, way goes way back. And way, way back. How, uh, how fitting that, you know, you, um, are, are still here, you know, 40 years later talking about him. His funeral as of this recording was yesterday. Um, what, what, um, he's got JCD after his name. Uh, is that, was he a canon lawyer? He was a canon lawyer okay. for the Diocese of Patterson. They, okay. Patterson, they, what state? Uh, New Jersey. Okay. That he was ordained for the Diocese of Patterson, um, and 1960, May 28th. And they sent him to Catholic University to get his canon law degree. He worked in the diocese in a bunch of different, uh, offices, uh, in the marriage tribunal. He became the judicial vicar. Uh, he was, uh, 
asked to begin an interracial council uh, for the city of Patterson and actually went to the march uh, in Selma with Martin Luther King oh, Jr. Right. Okay. He took a truckload of, not a truckload, a van load of priests, and mm. they went down there. Uh, he was very... Uh, he, he was very forceful when it came to social justice yeah. issues. And for a while, you know, he worked for the Christophers. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was 17 years uh, in the New York, uh, city of New York with the Christophers doing his television program. And he interviewed everyone from Mickey Rooney to uh, Bob Newhart uh, to Saints in Training, Um he gave a retreat for Mother Teresa of Calcutta and yeah. her sisters, and he just he just had an incredible uh, presence as a charismatic leader and visionary uh, with his message of joy. Yeah, and so the the conversations did you have a ongoing you know conversation with him? You said you met him in eighty one. Uh, at that event in New York, were you in regular communication with him? Was were you emailing back and forth? How how much of a of a impact did he have on your personal spiritual life? I would say off and on for all those years, we stayed in touch. Um, a lot of times, he actually judged my video materials uh, as part of what we used to call UNDA, which is now the Catholic Media Association. Mm-hmm. Their their annual. Uh, awards and he judged one one time and he called me on the phone and he said pat in my entire life i've never met anyone that produced directed sang mm-hmm. <laughs> wrote the entire uh, little video and he said whether you win or not i just was impressed that <laughs> somehow you did all that yeah so um in I guess it was 2005. It was the 40th anniversary of the Holy Trinity Seminary. I asked him uh, with then Father Duca, now Bishop Michael Duca, to come and present uh, a thing on priestly joy at the seminary. And he had everybody, even even the bishops were jumping in the, in the pews oh, really? and aisles. Uh, was he a charismatic priest? Oh, just, I mean, I mean, charismatic with a... With, with a big with C. With a big C. Yeah. I, I, I can't say for sure. Yeah. But I mean, he was very charismatic with right. a little C. And he knew Jesus inside yeah. and out. In 2012, that's, that's when I guess our relationship was really cemented spiritually. Uh, he called and asked me to do a documentary film on the story of his life and his message. At that time... I believe he may have had cancer at that time. Okay. He had a lot of different medical issues, uh, heart issues and hurt knees. And, and he said, Pat, I'd like to get my message onto video and distribute it as much as we can. So we went for four days, went to a retreat place in New Jersey and with a totally non-Catholic crew and myself. Mm-hmm. And for four days... We listened to him talk about Jesus and the gospel and love and joy and the fact that 325 times in the gospel it, it, it talked about joy. Yeah. And uh, Jesus in, I guess it's John fifteen eleven, he said, I've told you these things so that your joy might be full and I might be in you and, my, you know, and your joy will be full. Full, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and 
oh my gosh, just listening to him and our non-Catholic crew members were just really impressed and blown away. They asked him many questions long into the night after the taping was finished. He'd invite us to his room and we'd discuss uh, all kinds of deep theological issues and yeah. questions. And he would speak as if he was on fire for hours. Uh, we are talking about uh, the late Father John Couture, JCD, the Messenger of Joy. He passed away Thursday, April 7th uh, of, of this year. And uh, Pat Martin with Martin Media, a dear friend of his, as she has explained, now the executive director of St. Jude uh, media, which was the uh, the media arm or branch of Father Couture's ministry, and uh, what what an incre- incredible person! Uh, some other, you, you know, when you talk about what the work that he did with the Christophers and the the interviewing some celebrities and people like that, the the, the name that came to my mind was Father Patrick Payton. Sounded like the kind of guy that could get along with people, um, you know, whether they be religious or secular, and was kind of a bridge between the secular world and some of maybe Hollywood or that kind of stuff. And then would that be an accurate portrayal? Was that a good comparison of a Patrick Payton type? Absolutely. He, um, we have a lot of his video clips. Uh, the Christophers have shared a lot of those that we've re-edited short segments from on his website, uh, com, And one of the ones that has the most views is James Cagney. Oh, really? People say it's the only time Jimmy Cagney acted himself. Yeah. And it's certainly the only time he ever talked about his deep faith. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these stars, he'd put them on the spot and say, well, tell me about your faith. He'd yeah. talk to them about their career and their movies and mm-hmm. whatnot, but then he'd hit them. Tell me about your faith, you know, whether they were Jewish or Christian or Catholic or, you know, whatever their background was, and they would open up to him like they never had. People like Steve Allen, um, you know, just lots of movie stars. So, you know, and, and then he wrote 25 books. <laughs> oh, really? He's written so many books on spiritual issues. Uh, the one you've got, um, A Spiritual Journey. Is, a Simple Guide to Happiness. A Simple Guide yeah. to Happiness is a little booklet that's just full of wonderful nuggets of, of faith and virtue. And he just, his 90th year, who writes a book in their 90th year? Yeah. But he he did. He did. The best articles of John Couture. And uh, it came out just last year. Um, His niece in the Bahamas helped him publish it. And it has been just so well received. Uh, It's all over the place. You can even get it in Walmart, I think. Do you remember your last conversation with him? Or how long ago was that? Uh, Yes, I remember it. I remember it very, very well. You're going to get me all choked up here. Um, it was on Saturday, March the 26th. Okay. And Just a, a couple of weeks before he passed away. Uh, our- as of March 22nd, he had been put on hospice. He was declining. Uh, he, When he moved to North Carolina, he was... Um, he was residing with a longtime friend, Ashley Ulbrich, who served as his caregiver and president of his ministry. And she uh, said that he was awake. Uh, her daughter, uh, her granddaughter, called and said uh, that he wanted to speak with us. And it was such 
tremendous blessing you cannot even imagine. I said, Father, Jim and I are, are it's going to be our 40th wedding anniversary in May. Could you bless us for our, for our marriage? And he took the time. He gave us a beautiful, beautiful blessing. And then he talked about all the days we'd known each other, all the good times and all the projects we'd gotten to work on and said, you know, with the ups and downs, uh, you know, we've we've done the Lord's work. We've been yeah. able to do what He asked of me, and I think He felt really, really strongly that that those things that had been asked of Him when He was a young man, He didn't He didn't want to become a priest. Mm-hmm. In in the Korean War, they drafted him mm-hmm. <laughs> into the he was drafted, and he uh, ended up serving in the army for two years, Fort Sam Houston here oh, right. in Texas. Yeah. It's another con- Texas connection. And during that time, he was an MP, which was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. I've got a great picture of him as an MP. But uh, he said he was working uh, with this major who was a Catholic priest, and the man asked him if he would want to be his an assistant uh, to the chaplain. Mm-hmm. And so he helped him prepare for different events and things. And he said by the time those two years was up, he knew he wanted to be a priest. Oh, yeah. He was close to the altar and close to that man who really showed him what priesthood was right, like on the yeah. ground, yeah. you know, yeah. moving on the ground. In and, the trenches. In the trenches, yeah. literally, and how, how, to, um, how you could affect people's lives by the message of God. Yeah. Tell me about the... The DVD here, Messenger of Joy with Father John Couture, you produced this yourself, right? This is a Martin Media production, and is this what he asked you to do? Is this a result of that? Yes, it is. And uh, Jim Martin, my husband, uh, was the editor and, I would say, co-producer. It took forever to finish this project. Uh, we had those four days. Uh, we interviewed him all day long, maybe 10-hour days, uh, and compiled maybe a four-inch binder of transcripts, and we had to go through that and pick out the nuggets, the best mm-hmm. the best of the best that said his message, and then show him different drafts of the script. And it took over a year, year or two. So kind of a biography documentary, is that what it is? It kind is, of tell it, us his life? It is a documentary interspersed with his message uh, becoming a messenger of joy oh, okay. and what that means and and he goes off into these incredible tangents about faith and morals and virtue and and um, you know the places that he worked Eva's village uh, for some years he worked with people that were uh, that had drug abuse challenges alcoholism and and he assisted uh, with their counseling, and he was the president of the entire place, which was one of the top, uh, the top recovery places in New Jersey at the time. Yeah, and so he, uh, I don't know, he had a great love for people that had mental health issues. He used to talk about uh, knowing uh, Abraham Lowe and some of his works that that he read thoroughly about how the mind can control your thoughts and your feelings. Yeah, and he always he always stressed that we can control our thoughts, and by controlling our thoughts, we control our actions, mm-hmm. which directly affects who we are and what we do, and that 
our love and our prayer life, it's all in the will. People yeah. say they can't pray, they can't discuss prayer and God, but he said, no, it's in the will. If you just will to love the Lord and just be at peace in his presence, you are praying. Yeah. And these are some of the incredible joys I learned from Father Couture. Yeah, and it looks like this is only about 30 minutes long, and um, I, that's what it says in here, 28 minutes long, uh, and... Uh, we have some of these to give away because you have been kind enough to give me a, a lot of these and there are envelopes already. So I want to offer everybody who's listening right now, if you're intrigued by the life of uh, Father John Couture and you'd like to have this DVD, Messenger of Joy, with Father John Couture, uh, courtesy of Martin Media, Jim and uh, Patricia Martin, uh, just email me right now, Palmer at grnonline.com. And if you're one of the first 10 uh, I will send this to you, and thank you for providing the envelopes and everything. Messenger of Joy with Father John Couture, and uh, based on that passage from John fifteen eleven, that your joy may be full, that uh, Pat has already mentioned. Um, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. So email me right away and just say, you know, Father John or Father John Couture, C-A-T-O-I-R, and Pat also mentioned his website. It's just his name.com, johncouture.com. Uh, C-A-T-O-I-R. You mentioned that he had given a retreat one time for uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta and her sisters. Is that right? Tell us about that. This, I believe, was in New York. She came to visit. And uh, while she was in the United States, uh, she requested that he give a retreat to her and her nuns. And from what he told me, it was all about living joyfully in the knowledge of God's love. Mm. Uh, that goes back to his fav- one of his favorite saints. Well, there's two, but Julian of Norwich said that, uh, that the greatest honor you can give to Almighty God, more than sacrifices or fasting, is to just be joyful in the knowledge of God's love, to yeah. live with joy in your heart. So that's the, what he talked to them about, and... Um, he said that the sisters were very deeply affected by that because, of course, they have to, to work with the poorest of the poor and many people in uh, dire situations, yeah. uh, physically, handicapped, health issues. So it really gave them an uplift, an uplifting yeah. message to hear. Um, I'm sure this has crossed your mind as well, but just out of curiosity, is there um, a potential for cause of canonization? Oh gosh! I, <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you know, uh, is I've thought, that I've thought about it his whole life. Yeah, but this this is what he always said to me. He he would joke about it whenever anybody would ever say something. He'd call that a silly statement, and he said, "Pat, and take this seriously. I don't want your listeners to take this seriously. We are all saints in training." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know. Certainly, he led an incredible life, and he touched many, many people. I'll give you one example. Um, You know, he had his Twitter account and his Facebook account, and it had been going on for several years. And maybe four years ago, we decided to do what he called a Christmas prayer marathon, trying to bring Christ back into Christmas, and invited people to to put their prayer requests, and he said, we will all pray for whatever your needs are, okay? And, you know, as a dutiful daughter of the messenger, 
I would sit up late at night and hit like, 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 <laughs> you know how you do. Yeah. And it got to be 10,000, 22,000, mm. 56,000. I couldn't type like fast enough to keep up with these people. Yeah. Um, you know, at some point it's over 200,000, 500,000. And I'm just amazed. Um, but this one young lady, luckily, I read her message, and it was something like, I have nothing to live for. Pray for me. Um, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether to take my life tonight or not. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally put down the phone and called Father and woke him up. I think it was 2 a.m. in, New Jer- in, um, in North Carolina. And I said, Father... Um, I need some help here. Uh, you know, talk to me. What would you tell this young lady? And so he, we'd go back and forth. He texted me and I just copied and pasted, copied and pasted, mm-hmm. copied and pasted. And it was things like, you know, God has given each of us a role in this world. God has given you a job to do. And if you take your life now, you'll never know what it was. Yeah. You'll never know what you could have accomplished in this world. But hours, we did this, and then all of a sudden she quit responding. And, you know, Father said, go to bed, put it down, and go to bed. And it wasn't until maybe 8.30 in the morning uh, we all got a, a little message from this lady in Bangladesh that said, um, I'm still here. Thank you all for praying. Oh, wow. You know, thank you, Father, uh, for giving me hope and it was one of the you didn't know if she was alive or dead, right? Not until we got yeah, that. Yeah, right, until you got that, that response. It was one of the most emotional things I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, Father's like, well, we knew that God's Word would, would, would help her. Yeah, Because <laughs> right. he kept quoting Scripture and quoting things. And, and, uh, but it just told me how much he loved the people yeah. and how much uh, his message of joy could satiate the world just satiate the world. By the time that first Christmas marathon was over, we had over 2 million people who had viewed the post, commented, liked, shared. Mm. We were blown away. Yeah. So we did it again. It had about as many people the next year and, and less and less in, in subsequent years. But those couple of years where we had over 4 million people's lives touched by yeah. social media, Yeah. I think that drove him to create, he created a, uh, an award, uh, for Catholic, uh, people in the media. Yeah. It's now called the John Couture Social Media Evangelization and Social Media Award. And the Catholic Media Association gives it out annually, uh, to people that, uh, bring Christ to others mm. through social media. Yeah, well, that's a great legacy. That find he's, he's find a behind. way to promote Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think I feel like, uh, and that's why we're doing an interview like this. So many people need to know more about his life and his legacy. You know, I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, "Oh yeah, I've heard of him," but I bet a lot of them have not because I was not even that familiar, other than your work. Uh, we've got about two minutes remaining. My guest is uh, Pat Martin with Martin Media. She uh, is, as you can tell, a great devotee of Father John Couture. May God rest his soul and God remember that everybody pray for him um, because a uh, holy man but we all need prayers uh, most of us after we, we pass away uh, he died at the age of 90 Thursday April 7th of this year and he was known as the messenger of joy 
And uh, don't forget, uh, we want to send 10 of you this DVD called Messenger of Joy uh, with Father John Couture, kind of a documentary uh, DVD of his life and his message and his words. Uh, all you got to do is email me, be one of the first 10, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. So um, real quickly, I just want to give you the last minute here, uh, Pat, to say whatever you want um, and uh, wh- how, what would you like from our listeners uh, you know, as they listen to this and say, you know, what can I do to help or continue his legacy? Got about a minute remaining. Well, to know that he was an, a normal son uh, of Irish parents, Tom and Kitty Couture in uh, New York, and he participated in track and field at Jesuit in New York, and uh, he lived a normal life, you know. Uh, but it shows one of the things the Christophers say is that one person if you light a candle in the darkness, yeah. it can create tremendous light to the world. Yeah. And Father Couture, with his life, has done that. His rich legacy as messenger of joy, um, please go to his website. It's, it's a library of incredibly uplifting videos, audios, articles, johncouture.com. And such a blessing, uh, He's a life well spent, a job well done, and may he rest in peace. Amen. Thank you so much. I can just tell your love for him really comes out so so strongly. JohnCouture.com, uh, John, and then C-A-T-O-I-R.com. Please visit that and learn more about this incredible life, this incredible man. May God rest his soul. Pray for him. Uh, pray for Pat and uh, uh, Martin Media as well. And again, um, if they're not all gone, you can give it a shot. Email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com, and I'll send you one of these Messenger of Joy DVDs on the life of Father John Couture. Pat, thanks so much. Great to see you. Thank you, Dave. It's been a pleasure. uh, Thanks you for listening. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM interview of the week here on KTH on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I am uh, very excited to introduce you to a guest that I'm going to be able to speak to. And um, I do want to thank Melba Chan from St. Joseph Parish in Richardson for connecting me with my guest, Dr. Brian Thatcher. Uh, He is a retired medical doctor. And he spends his time now traveling the world speaking uh, of the message of divine mercy and the great gift of the Eucharist. Back in 1996, he founded the Eucharistic Apostles of the Divine Mercy. It's a lay apostolate of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, located in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And there is more to his uh, biography. He has programs in EWTN, and uh, I guess you could just say he is uh, an expert and has been very touched by the devotion to uh, divine mercy. And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Dr. Thatcher. Thank you so much for making this one of your stops here during the week of Divine Mercy, of course, leading up to Divine Mercy Sunday uh, in this calendar year, this year. So thank you for being here. It's it's an honor and a joy to be here. So take us back. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that story? Because I'm sure this this great devotion happened because of circumstances in your life or what, what led you to the, the place of, you know, dedicating your life to Divine Mercy? Well, actually, you know, there's been so many amazing things when I decided that uh, my life was out of balance 30 years ago. I was a very successful physician, making a lot of money, um, but I was under extreme stress with my subspecialty. I was never home. I lived in emergency rooms and ERs, and I wasn't living and leading a holy life, and kind of all that came tumbling down about 30 years ago, and 
At that time, a friend handed me the diary of St. Faustina, and um, as I began to read it, the words just kind of jumped out at me, and I realized that this message was for me. Uh, I needed to go through some personal healing, but a quote that jumped out of the diary, the Lord told Faustina that the greater the sinner, the greater the right to my mercy. Mm. And I, I just, it hit me that God is love, and he loves me, and he loves me not for where I thought I needed to be, not for who I should be, but for who I was. And that was a big day in my life, and and I wanted everyone to share and learn about divine mercy. And one thing led to the other, and I eventually realized that this is what I wanted to do full-time. I love medicine. I had helped many people heal, but more people needed to hear the message of divine mercy and God's healing. And um, so I gave up my practice, and we started Divine Mercy prayer groups, and one thing led to the other. I've been able to travel all over the world. It's been an incredible ride. And just a year or so ago, there was a morning reading for the Mass was the story of Lazarus, and a line jumped out at me that I'd, I'd heard that story so many times, but yet uh, it hit me. If He was telling Mary, he said, didn't I not tell you that if you believe that you would see the power of God? Well, one of the many stories is we were blessed with the birth of a son, John Paul, in 1995. He nearly died at birth, but at age 15 months, I'd been out in Denver speaking at a conference, and I came home. I was tired. In our home in Florida, we have a swimming pool and a covered screen lanai. I went out to the backyard and just then my oldest son, Brian, who was 12 at the time, said, Dad... I need you to start the lawnmower. So I ran around the house, came in back in. My daughter says, Dad, it's time to go to swim practice. Well, parents know what taxing is like. Mm-hmm. And I took the girls to practice. About 20 minutes later, I get a phone call from Brian on my cell, and he says, Dad, John Paul's dead. Mm. And I'm like, you're kidding. This this isn't real, right? He said, no, somebody left the pool gate open. Oh, wow. And And I'm thinking, who left the pool gate open? And then I realized it was me. Mm. So this guilt and shame welled up. And all I could think of little John Paul's head bobbing up and down, struggling for air. And um, my wife had found him. He was blue, not breathing. But she had started CPR. But I told Brian to call 911, which he did. We drove home as fast as I could, but we hit every red light. We were in a major intersection. And... uh, I'll never forget it. I, I was really praying my heart out, and finally I realized, Jesus, I trust in you. You know, this is the moment of trust for me. And I said, I thanked him for the time he had given him to us, and, you know, he was such a blessing, the apple of my eye, but he's yours. And just at that time, the scripture verse of Abraham offering Isaac up to God came to my mind. And I thought, you know, I had this vision of walking JP up the mountainside preparing the sacrifice to offer him up. The light turned green. I got home. The squad was there, rushed him to the hospital. My wife had gotten a very weak pulse. He was distended, bloating, didn't know how it was going to come out. When we got to the hospital, I called my sister, left a message on her phone. She lived three hours away, and they prayed for him that night in their prayer group. But over the next few days, I noticed every four hours or so, John Paul was getting a little better mentally better and better and better. And after a few days, we we took him home. He was totally normal. It was a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, 
And my sister had come up and she said, Brian, I wanted to tell you this story in person. We prayed for John Paul that night in prayer group. And the next morning we all went to Mass and we prayed. And after Mass, my best friend Irma came up to me and said, um, don't worry, John Paul's going to be fine. During Mass, I had a vision. I saw Abraham offer Isaac up to God. <laughs> and Jesus wow. stepped in the middle and gave him back. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. As I realized in this studying and speaking about divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Trust doesn't mean that everything's going to come out the way you want. You know, yeah. We've had many tragedies in our family since then, and we have sufferings. We all have sufferings and trials. And I realize now trust is critical. We as humans pray for the outcome. You know, Pray for my husband's brain tumor. Pray for my metastatic breast cancer and, and things and it's okay. It's good that, you know, the Lord wants us to ask, but also remember, no matter what the outcome, yeah. God's will be done. And Jesus, I trust in you, and we turn things over to God. And um, we live in peace because we're trying to do God's will. Yeah. Praise God. Great story. And the um, going back to the diary itself, when you said you picked it up and you read it and it really resonated with you, it's a big I guess, for lack of a better word, book. It's not really a book. It's a diary. Uh, how many different ways can God say, you know, I have mercy on you. I, I have mercy on sinners. I, what, 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 why did it took, take so long? And what, what are the different messages? And how many different ways can he express what seems to be a pretty central theme of his visits to Faustina? Well, there is repetition. But at the same point, she writes what's going on that day or that week. You know, it's not a yeah. every day she'll write something, but it covers all the bases. It's it's not a new message. Uh, the Divine Mercy message is a reiteration of sacred scripture, but yeah. it's, a, it's, you know, believe she, the Lord came to her because it was an important time in history that God needed to let the people know that he's love and mercy. It's a very Eucharistic message. She loved the Eucharist so much she added to her name Maria Faustina of the Most Blessed Sacrament. She had apparitions of the rays of blood and water emanating from the monstrance, just as from the image. The image itself, Jesus explains, uh, the feast day, the graces of the feast, the chaplet, a powerful prayer. Many people don't know the Lord told Faustini, if you pray the chaplet at the bedside of a dying person, that he would be there as the merciful Savior and not as a just judge. Mm. She loved the dying. She was bilocated to the bedside of the dying. So it goes into that's a whole ministry into itself. But probably even more important that than the devotional aspects, which are incredible by themselves. The fact is it's a spirituality. And that's what people get from our prayer cynicals, where it's a guided study through the manuals, reading the diary. We bring in scripture. We bring in the catechism. And... It's a spirituality, and we call it, it's not a message, it's not a devotion, we say it's a way of life. And what do I mean? Well, she talks about forgiveness. The Catechism talks about the importance of forgiveness, and as I've traveled all over the place, I've found that forgiveness is probably the biggest stumbling block to personal growth and spiritual advancement. Um, then the whole issue of trust, what is trust? And then she talks extensively about suffering and um she suffered as well. You know, all the saints, if you read their story, you know that they all suffered. She had advanced tuberculosis. Uh, she had intense pain. 
Uh, and there were times she wished she could die. The pain was so bad because it had spread into her intestinal tract and was causing blockages. Uh, so we have suffering. And then we have mercy. Um, we have to be a more merciful, kind people. We don't have to agree with everybody, but we have to treat people with love and kindness and respect. And that's, that's an art that's lost today. Look at the division in the country. Um, just one example in her diary, before the cathedral was built, uh, I'd been to the convent in outside Krakow almost 25 years ago, and there was a gate there, and it's mentioned in the diary. Faustina would meet poor people at the gate, and they would want a bite of food. It, Poland was very poor. The convent had little food, but she would bring people in. And one time there was a guy who was in tattered clothing. It's the middle of winter. He's cold. He comes in, and she finds an old piece of bread and a crusty potato and boils in a little broth and feeds it to him. And as she's taking the dishes back to the sink, she turns around, and the man had disappeared. But in its place, in his place, was Jesus Christ sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, I have come down from heaven to taste the fruits of your mercy. Wow. Stories like that, you know, and then that's our prayer group. We talk about, we do five pages a lesson, and we talk about what's in those five pages, and people relate it to their own lives. Um, people don't realize Faustina suffered on three different occasions the passion of our Lord to make up, the Lord told her, I'm allowing you to suffer my passion in reparation for the infants dying in the wombs. Mm. People don't realize Warsaw was a hotbed of abortion back then. People used to come in from all Eastern Europe and fly into Warsaw, have their abortions, and take off. And so she suffered for the sin of abortion. And so as Eucharistic apostles, we're very pro-life. We're very Eucharistic. You know, everywhere I go, I want to talk about the real presence. People mm-hmm. don't understand it. There's so much church history in that. Um, so it's an extensive message. But one of the points we like to talk about a lot is forgiveness, because that really is a critical stumbling block. If you can't forgive your neighbor, you know, how can you love the God you cannot see when you can't love your brother or sister that you can? Yeah. The, the Faustina's diary was not accepted immediately by the church. There was some controversy about it. And I know St. John Paul II very much embraced it. He made her the first, I believe, canonized saint of the new millennium, Correct. right? Yep. Well, what was the controversy? The controversy was about, it. as it turned out, it was a bad translation from the Polish to the Italian. And, of course, everything has to be scriptural. It can't, yeah. you know, you can't have something in there that goes against the Bible or they know right away it's not correct. Well, someone had made some bad translations. I don't know exactly the fine details, but that held it up. And John Paul didn't say approve this thing. He said, I want it studied. I want looked at the translation again and let's see what really happened. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So after those hurdles were cleared, then it became an approved devotion. Yeah. Why, why, did it happen when it happened, do you think? I mean, this is late in salvation history that uh, uh, our, our Lord appears to Faustina. And I'm sure the people of the 16th and 17th and 18th century would have loved to have had the advantage of this devotion. Why, why the timing? Well, I'm not smart enough to answer that one, but, <laughs> but one can only speculate. Yeah. You know, it, it, you look at World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, the way people are treating each other, the uh, just look at Ukraine right now. I mean, it's a genocide. We 
I visited Rwanda, uh, the genocide there. Um, the world needs to hear of God's mercy. The Lord actually told her, mankind will not have peace. And I don't think he just meant world peace. I think it's got to start on our interior peace. Mankind will not have peace until it turns with trust to my mercy. And that means we, we have to forgive. doesn't erase the memories of what experience you may have had, but you have to forgive people. Trust in the Lord in difficult situations. We all have trials and sufferings, whether it be financial, health, uh, children leaving the church. You know, suffering comes in many forms. Um, but do our best, keep going, and when we fall down, we get up. And as Catholics, we have the beauty of the confessional, which we don't take advantage of. Jesus actually told Faustina, the greatest miracles take place in the confessional. Oh, wow. And um, very Eucharistic message. The image of divine mercy itself speaks to a sacramental life because the red rays, he told her, symbolize the blood, which is the life of souls. Well, blood carries oxygen. That's our how we live, but in the spiritual walk, the Eucharist is our food. He said the pale rays symbolize the water which cleanses souls. That's baptism and confession. So the message calls us to live and lead a sacramental life of prayer. It all ties in. It's 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 a unique uh, devotion. Uh, the in the image itself even speaks to Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter morning. Yes. Dr. Brian Thatcher is my guest, retired medical doctor, founder of the Eucharistic Apostles of the Divine Mercy, now a lay apostolate of the Congregation of Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Let's talk a little bit more about this way of life, uh, Dr. Thatcher, if we may. The first, the first impression I got as I walked out of my office and, you know, met you in the hallway. And ever since, you know, I've, in the brief time that I've kind of gotten to know you this afternoon is you seem to have a real calm peacefulness about you. And I know you said that it wasn't always the case when you were a medical doctor and your life was frantic and, you know, the, the situation with your son and, um, is that any forgiveness is part of the way of life? Peace is part of the way of life. Anything else? Because I'm thinking that this is what so many people want these days. People are frantic. People are, are so so much you know anxiety and depression. And is that is that what's what people are seeking? Well, it's interesting you say that forgiveness. And I didn't mention it's not only forgiveness of others, but it's forgiveness of self. Many people think they're not worthy. Years ago, we had a big Catholic conference in Tampa, and some said, oh, I can't go to one of those conferences. I'm not holy enough. <laughs> and, you know, as a physician, I took care of so many sick, dying people, but the church is the hospital of the spiritual. Yeah. And, and so forgiveness of others, forgiveness of self, and as far as inner peace, it's trust in the Lord. It doesn't mean I work very hard at what I do. I, I'm always running around, but you know what? I also live a life where if my kids need me, I'm not one of these, oh, I'm too busy, you're old enough, you're out of the house, forget it, I'm not going to help you. I'm busy, I want to watch TV. I, I'm trying to set an example. As a, as a father 30 years ago, I used to give my kids big lectures. I thought that was the best thing going, and then I realized, well, it went in one ear and out the next. Mm -hmm. But now I realize it's through my example. And the Lord told Faustina, an exaggerated anxiety and discouragement are two of the greatest obstacles to holiness. Mm. Well, I say to myself, why am I so anxious? 
Why am I so discouraged? Well, it's because things aren't working out the way I want them to. And it's abandonment to divine will, to God's will be done. I, at this point in my life, I don't want to be doing stuff if it's not God's will. If I could go make a million bucks on some investment, I don't even want to think about it if it's not God's will. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we have to run our lives. And it keeps me in my wife's kind of cute. Too. We're, we're in the process of, of trying to sell our home. We're building a home because we're downsizing. All the kids are gone. We yeah. have seven kids. We don't need this big house. Well, that's being held up because of the supply shortage. Hasn't had any movement. So my wife's getting anxious and I'm like, it's okay. We're doing our best. I, I Just do your best and let God do the rest. And she's realizing that this anxiety is useless. Mm-hmm. It does nothing. We have to keep our life in balance, and part of that is prayer. And uh, if I'm driving down the road, I'll be praying a rosary. If I know things aren't going well, I try to keep my focus, the inner peace, because people, like you said, are looking for it, and that's a major factor of people converting because they'll see that you have something that they want. And uh, it's not necessarily the big talks. It's the way you live and lead your life. Right. The the Marians of the Immaculate Conception, I know a lot of people are very familiar with them. Stockbridge, Massachusetts, the uh, Father Calloway, Father, I, think, I believe Father Michael Gately is in that. What is your relationship with them exactly? You're not, you live, you know, all the way across the country from uh, the, the Stockbridge. Well, yeah, I started the ministry in Tampa, but... Um, in 1998, we actually came under the Marians as an apostolate because they had heard of our work in the Divine Mercy prayer groups. And then in 2001 or two, we actually are in their statutes in Rome. We're, we're part of the order. It's really amazing. They, people say, well, is that like a third order? Well, the Marians don't have a second order of nuns, so you can't have a third order without <laughs> the second, right? <laughs> but yes, we're, we're active. We're part of the order. And Everywhere I go, I, I really believe I'm representing the Congregation of Marians, and I feel our work in some ways is an extension of the work of Faustina. It may be a far-off branch of the tree, but we're the few leaves and the little twig. We're out there doing our thing. Yeah. Um, for somebody who's, you know, not familiar with this devotion at all, they, I mean, they, they, this is, there's a lot there. You know, there's the forgiveness, and there's the mercy, and there's Faustina, and the diary, and the chaplet. And, you know, where does somebody start? Maybe somebody is listening to us right now, and they're like, you know, I, I didn't, you know, we, we have new listeners all the time. I, I, I don't even know about this. Is there a, a book or a, you know, a, a, what, what would be, what would be the starting point of somebody who just wants to scratch the surface and begin, uh, to get deeper into this devotion? You know, I would just suggest the Marians have a Divine Mercy website, and it's real simple, the, you have to put a the in front of it, but it's thedivinemercy.org, and you'll see about two-thirds down, it said, learn more about Eucharistic Apostles. You can click on that. We've got a lot of articles, um, and, and also, uh, there's so many videos the Marians have put out. Father Chris Alar is the Father Joseph, the head of the Marian Helpers now. He's been doing incredible work uh, evangelizing Father Don Calloway, his witness, his love of the Blessed Mother. On that website, thedivinemercy.org, you'll also see my weekly interview in, uh, with priests, nuns, religious, lay people on different aspects of the faith. And um, just 
go slow at it and take your time, enjoy the site, everything's free, and you can get uh, spiritually up to speed slowly over time at that website. And when you speak, uh, like you're in town this week, when we're doing this recording and going to various parishes, what what is your, I mean, if you have an hour to talk, and there's a, a lot of different ways and directions that you could go, what's your primary message? What, what do you think people most need to hear right now? What, what's, the, what's the crux? Well, if I were to summarize it in one word, I'd say love. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.